0: Jason, and welcome to Stand By For Paradise. Something beautiful happens when you put aside your fears and simply embrace looking ridiculous. Though I may not want to admit it, There are few things that look more ridiculous than a very tall man trying to ride a very small scooter. If you can imagine a giraffe on a tricycle, you can picture what it looked like as I puttered out from my apartment block and into the mad traffic of Chiang Mai, Thailand. I had been in Chiang Mai for several weeks now. The term digital nomad was still new to many in 2015. But this bustling city in the north of Thailand had already become a hotbed of digital revolutionaries fleeing the desk job despots of corporate America. A few of us had come to join them, or at least see what the fuss was about. It turned out the hype could not have prepared us for the real-life wonder of being immersed in an endless sea of incredible coffee and miraculous food. It was, of course, a luxury for us as Westerners to never feel the pinch in the wallet from our endless dining out, but the food and coffee and mango smoothies were so good, you would have paid any price for them. After a short time in Chiang Mai, we quickly began to feel like we had a handle on the areas of town and times of day that were best for wandering around as obvious foreigners. We had a growing list of restaurants and food carts that hadn't laid any of us low, either we were becoming more adventurous by the day, wanting to see more and more of our new world. One aspect of Thai life seemed prohibitively dangerous, though, that was transportation. Thai traffic is legendary for both its insanity and danger, and what we had seen from the sidewalks and backs of taxis had done nothing to dispel this notion. For weeks, we stuck to the Songtao truck taxis and slightly maniacal rides and tuk-tuks. Still, another idea kept popping up. Despite the danger, the notion of renting scooters came up again and again. Back home, I ride mountain bikes and do so with abandon. After almost two decades, I feel as at home on two wheels as I do on my feet in the woods. On pavement, though, things are different. Knowing next to nothing about motorcycles and owing to a couple scooter crashes in my youth, I had a healthy respect for anything small and motorized. This respect had grown into an outright fear through the several weeks in Thailand. Seeing the crazed masses of riders jet away from the traffic lights and split lanes in gridlock made throwing a leg over a bike seem like lunacy Hearing the shocking statistics of death on Thai roads made renting a scooter seem like suicide. Some dumb ideas, though, are just too fun to resist. One by one, our friends began showing up at the coffee shop with helmets dangling from the straps of their laptop bags. They would either enter with a jaunty strut or a weak-kneed wobble depending on whether or not their lives had just flashed before their eyes. I was hesitant, though, because I had at least one extra disadvantage. My height. Snaking your way through traffic is one of the great advantages of being on a scooter. This advantage, however, is severely restricted when your knees have nowhere to go but out to the sides. It was nearly impossible to fold my lanky frame into a small enough pretzel shape to fit on the back of a little Honda Click 125 like a normal person. The locals seemed to have no trouble, of course. You would see entire families all loaded up together on one scooter. Instead, I hurtled through Thai traffic on the back of my friend's bikes, constantly bracing myself for the painful moment when I would sheer off someone's side mirror with my patella. Despite my hesitations and my ill-suited height, I finally decided it was time to get a scooter of my own. Our adventures were taking us further from home and the tuk-tuks and taxis could sometimes be impractical in the gridlocked traffic. I had all but made up my mind, but needed one test ride just to be sure. Borrowing my friend's tiny ride, I took a wobbly, puttery spin around the parking lot. Then, it was time to hit the open road. Hurtling out of the trendy Niman neighborhood in the afternoon sun... I felt the rush of fresh air that only speed and no windshield can give you. The angry bee of my engine screamed along between gigantic Chinese tour buses and trucks pouring out choking clouds of unfiltered diesel. The flock of other scooters seemed to ease away from me no matter how hard I squeezed the throttle. My bike seemed to be having a hard time, but to be fair, I put up quite the windbreak. I turned onto a wide main road and was excited to find it inexplicably free of traffic. Taking advantage of this unexpected freedom from the worry of being squashed, I unleashed all the fury my little motorcycle could muster. Soon, I pulled alongside a local, his bike laden down with a comical pile of boxes you would never have seen on a motorcycle back home. As soon as I pulled up next to him, the older Thai man on the motorcycle shot me a look over his shoulder. He looked again, then putting his hand to his helmet in a military salute, looked back at me and vanished in a sudden turn down an alley. It was an odd gesture, but maybe it was an overly martial way of welcoming me to the two-wheeled club. I barreled along down the street, which now had a concrete wall down the middle. A young tie came rocketing up to my left, and just like the old man, looked me in the eye before a hurried gesture toward an alley. He too disappeared with no more warning than the flick of his hand. A tiny cloud of uncertainty began to intrude on my sunny state of mind. Had he told me to turn as well? It didn't matter now. A long fence now ran as far as the eye could see along the side of the road. There was no way off the street even if I wanted to leave. But who would? I now had enough tarmac in front of me to land a plane on with not so much as a wandering bicycle in sight, to hit me. It was then that I saw the police blockade. Cresting a slight hill, my faith in the hospitality of the residents of Chiang Mai increased a hundredfold. The two gesturing motorists had gone out of their way to warn me, an obvious and unsuspecting foreigner, of what was coming. That salute had been a gesture of brotherhood after all. Like flashing your headlights on a lonely Midwestern highway to tell others, a cop is around the corner. In Chiang Mai, people tried to let you know when you were about to run afoul of the officers prowling the roads. For a second, I tightened up and tried to convince myself that looking straight past the cops would make me invisible. They had blockaded one lane, and I moved purposefully into the other as I approached. One of the officers stepped toward the gap and made the unmistakable gesture all humans use to tell someone to slow down pumping his hand palm down toward the pavement. I was not invisible after all. The officer motioned for me to pull to the side of the road. Traffic stops the world over start the same. First, there are questions. Then comes the berating. Why didn't I have the international driver's permit? Didn't I know I needed it? He flipped a page on his ticket pad, and there was a badly Xeroxed sample of the document he rightfully expected me to present. It would have cost $20 to get the permit back in the States. Back there, though, I had never intended to ride a scooter. Now all I could do was play dumb. The berating continued. As I apologized profusely, an idea began to form in my mind. It was a salacious thought to any rule-abiding American, but I had heard stories of how these stops sometimes ended. The officer was now telling me repeatedly I would have to pay a fine and appear at a court date at the station downtown. How much is the fine? I asked. 400 baht, the cop spat back angrily. You pay downtown. So, I was going to be out $12 for this. Oh, I said, pausing. Can I just pay here? The world stopped. The officer looked me straight in the eye. Are you trying to bribe me? He squared on me and pulled himself up. He inhaled to begin what was going to be a threat or a rant. I wasn't sure which. No, no, I said plaintively. I don't know where the police station is, and I wondered if I could pay here instead. No, not here. What followed was a long, circuitous discussion about the seriousness of my offense and the need to pay downtown. It became a little dance, and I asked over and over how much I had to pay and where to pay. Every time it was the same. 400 baht. You must pay downtown. Finally, there was a pause, and I sensed my moment. I asked one more time, And I pay at the court? Something in the officer's eyes changed. 400 baht, you pay downtown, or here. By now, other scooters had been lined up next to mine and were being given the same treatment. There were several civilians and officers now milling around the side of the road. Or here, I asked again, as though the last few minutes of our conversation had never happened. Reaching carefully into my pocket, I pulled the portion of my walking-around money I kept there next to my phone. "'Well, I only have 300 baht here,' I said, slowly lifting three bright pink bills into the warm sunshine. "'But that's not enough. You said it was—' The officer made a noise like someone had hit him in the crotch with a tennis ball. He jerked forward and in one smooth motion turned a page of his ticket pad over— slapping my 300 bot out of sight under the overturned page. "'Okay, you go,' he said sternly. I pointed hesitantly down the road, finishing the last steps of our little dance. "'Go!' he shouted, waving his free hand. I strapped on my helmet and started my engine. So that was it. Had I bribed a cop in Thailand? Or just paid a fine? It wasn't clear, and it didn't matter." What happened to me now was clearly of no concern to the cop, and what happened to my $12 was of no concern to me. I was in a country where I was only coming to understand how little I actually understood. Some things are universally understandable, though. This had been a unique moment for me, but it was clearly all in a day's work for the cop. As my 300 bot vanished out of sight, I had seen the next page on his ticket pad, Rather than some official documentation, it showed the tally of the officer's busy day recorded in tidy hash marks. Revving my engine, I headed off down the empty highway, leaving the officer to put one more angled line across four straight ones. This is Standby for Paradise, a little show made by me, Jason Fleming. You can read the full text of each episode as well as see pictures from these stories at standbyforparadise.com. If you like the show, please share it with someone. If you love the show, you can support it on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.